Yes, people, it is part two of this week's Echo Chamber. And um, yeah, this is a great one. I always say it, but it's always true, people. Uh, we, we take a look at another film um, brought to us by the great, the legendary AJ Furman. So people, sit back and let's get ready for the ride. Right, 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 people. Let's get it popping with the uh, debut feature Between Sins. Okay, people. So, yo, I just got a new film from AJ. And as usual, she came correct. Right. So we just checked out Between Sins, which is the feature directorial debut from Carlos Miller, who also wrote the film. Um, it is produced by uh, I think Miller produces it as well. Executive produced by Luke Taylor, Nikki Steer Justice. And Matthew Helderman, um, Manuel Jose Godelio handled the music. Jonathan Franklin edits the piece. It's edited by Juan Carlos Gonzalez and um, Carlos Miller. Uh, Shamika Wright was art direction. Um, like sound design and all of that is Manuel Jose Godelio, um, Latina Sonidio, and Felipe Filo Valencia. Lina Palsias is on wardrobe, and um, yes, yeah, starring in the film, well, Koi is played by George Taylor. Um, his mother is played by Caroline Johnson. His daughter, Skylar, is played by Skylar Rain Rowe. And his friend, best friend, former friend, however you want to put it, Puda, is played by Rigoberto Duval. Um, his former partner Shanice is played by Vanda Bryant-Scott um, we have got Randy played by Ronnie Hester Angela played by Angela Cohen Agab um, Black is played by Philip McKenzie Varys is played by J Jermaine McPlatt um Rene, played by Shantira Upperman. Pastor Maze is played by Keith C. Wade. Um, we have the uh, Minister of Ceremony, played by Roberto Citron. Um, yeah, so the gist of the film is this. After serving five years in prison, 
Koi returns home with determination to avoid the people and situations that sent his life spiraling out of control. After Puda, Koi's old friend comes back around expecting things to pick up where they left off. Koi's determination to change is put to the test when the things he thought to be true now appear to be a lie. Now, he must distinguish between what is temporary and what is forever. Between Sins is a tale about the art of living, originally known to be the definition of philosophy. In Between Sins, the characters reveal the character. And the one, the, like, the thing that jumped out to me straight away, right, is it is very intimate. Right, we have we have the camera up close a lot, so you're really in someone's sphere of influence, which you know what I mean brings something to a piece when you're watching it. Right, it it really brings this different kind of connection. The way you look at something, right, the way you inhabit that space. You know. The other thing is, this is framed around the shooting of Corey Jones, you know? And that's, like, boy, you know, business like, that murder, right, which happened in, like, 2015, you know what I mean? Happened in 2015, and, I mean, we all know what happened a few years, but, like, all the things that happened a few years back, right? Brianna Taylor, Joy Floyd, um, Ahmad Ahmad, I feel that was a man's name. You know what I mean? And, and there was the other young guy that was, I mean, there was so, there's so many, right? Still happening. Still happening. But yeah, that, that's kind of this device used within the film. Um, and I mean, what we have is, right, we, we have the good, we have the bad, we have the grey. Right, all of these things, all of these conflicting interests, everything is there for you to see, you know? And, and we, can, we can understand that there's this nuance, right? Nothing is just cut and dry. And the other thing that is thrown out there is the fact that it's around perception. You know what I mean? Like, in the synopsis, you know what I mean? We we have the bit where it's like, um, Koi's determination to change is put to the test when the things he thought to be true now appear to be a lie. Right? So, you can look at that in several ways because, you know, he's trying, it seems, to start something again with his ex, right? So you, there is that, but then also it's the belief in certain people, the things that certain people tell you, right? Because, look, someone does him a kindness... But in the same vein, could, you know what I mean, they, they could be putting him on a path to something 
that he, you know, where he doesn't want to go, right? And it's looking at that and it's coming to the realization of what that is. Also, you know, you, you see people's true colors, right? Because sometimes people do you a favor. It's not really a favor, right? It, it's an attempt to have you on the hook, right? To have you in debt which would then be used against you. It's like that Damocles sword. You know what I mean? And so all of these things are given to us in this story. You know, and, and so it's this interesting thing, right? We see Koi trying to connect again with his daughter. We see the standoffness of the daughter. But you can understand that. Right, that's been locked up for five years. Right, you know how how much was he there for uh, when he was there? Right, so it's all of these things that we're looking at. But as you the film goes on, we see these relationships change. You know, you see the relationship with his mum. Right, there, there's there's so many things that are here, and. It's really interesting. It's interesting the way the story is put to you. Because it's not necessarily as straightforward as this. This happens, this happens, this happens. Right? It, everything's interwoven. Which I think forces you as a viewer to really pay attention. Right? And in that, you are really looking at the intentions of these characters, right? Looking at why would they do this thing, right? What is leading to this? What could potentially be the repercussions of this, right? If you're trying to make a change, why would you accept this thing, you know? And, and so, yeah, it, it really, you know what I mean? I think it's very engaging. This is a very engaging story. Um, I liked the music that was used, right? Which we get a lot of times in between shots, in the transitions. You know, it's because it's like the film opens up and we have, you know, this voiceover, but the imaging we're seeing right, is different, so you have this juxtaposition of, you know, th this person talking about finding a path, and then we have the shots of protests and all of this, so it, it, it makes it very interesting in that regard, you know, and again, as I said, look, in between, like, some of the scenes, we have these other shots right, of people doing different things, and then we have this music, and the music, I feel, works very well. The one thing I didn't necessarily like, the musical beds, right, sometimes you had someone talking, you maybe the, the, the priest, you know, lecturing, no, giving a sermon, preaching, preaching, that's the word, right, and you, uh, you have this musical bed, and I, you know, mm, I didn't necessarily feel we needed that, right? But in all honesty, I think that 
was probably, you know, the the biggest kind of thing against the film. Like everything else, I think just worked very well. You know that all of the um, performances were really good. I mean, the detective towards the end, a little bit wooden, a little bit wooden, right? Not terrible, but yeah, all the other performances very solid. As I, as I said, right, Skylar. You know, Skylar Rain Rowe, um, a really great performance from her because I think there's so much that has to be conveyed with the daughter, right? Because you can see that, you know, she's getting older. So, you know, there's the boy situation, there's school, there's, you know, sport, her with her friends, like reconnecting with her dad. All of these things, which is this minefield, right? So we have all of that happening. And it is all very well, you know, brought to life by this young girl. You know, you've got um, uh, Caroline Johnson as the mom, who, you know, Again, there's a lot to this character because she's just happy to have her son back, but you can tell these other things are wearing on her. You know, I feel the the church and religion is another linchpin of this film, right? So, you know, uh, look, there's there's a lot of scenes in church with preaching and, and different things like that, but we also then see this different side of it all, right? We see this different side of it all. And you've also then got this former, right, priest who's got this group, Iron Men, right? Which were, you know, the the whole reasoning behind the name is explained, right? And you'd be like, okay, okay, that makes sense, right? You understand this thing, but... In this, you you kind of look at it, it, it I, for me, right? It is that whole thing about religion doesn't have to be done within the confines of a building, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be in a church. It doesn't necessarily have to be in this formal structure. Right, because what you when you look at this group, it's just people talking, sharing their experiences, their worries, their fears, you know, their dreams, all of that kind of thing. And that is a powerful thing, right? That's that's a tool that can underpin, you know, the the, the fabric of your life, right? Which not you know, I mean, not traditionally a religious thing, but it, it has that undercurrent of living by these core tenets, right? There's me, I wouldn't say I'm a religious person. I wouldn't say at all I'm a religious person, but I do believe in do unto others as you wish done to you, you know? And so it's these these different things, right, that you can live by and you can hold to, and these are the things that were were given within this film, and I think 
it creates this very powerful device, which, you know, when you understand about Carlos, it kind of makes sense because, you know, he um, he's a, a, a lecturer, right? And he also has this not-for-profit called Live Fresh, you know, where, where he goes into the community to uplift and provide dignity to the less fortunate, right? And you can see that within the film, right? Because it is kind of giving you this, this look of what could be, how you you could you should maybe carry yourself, right? The things that you should think about. It's kind of all there in the film without being like preachy and just like this is it. You know what I mean? Like if you're a certain age, you remember He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, right? Transformers and the end of those shows would be these messages, you know, like, hey, as you could see, me and Master of Arms, we argued, but we're friends and we come together and blah, 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 blah. It was all very heavy handed. But, you know, as little kids, you're watching this and you're like, yo, okay, that makes sense. Boom. But, you know, this, this kind of thing, there's more nuance to it, but it is giving you something, right? as well as being a very engaging story. So, people, I definitely would recommend um, checking it out, you know? Like, if you enjoyed stuff like Bluff and Yes Man, right, which were two very great British independents, you know? I, I think those have a, a similar underpinning message in them right and that's what between sins gives us so people it is out right it's out on friday and uh you'll be able to get it on all your favorite vod's it's also out on prime right which is definitely a huge thing for your feature debut you know what i mean so, yeah, I, I, as I said, if you enjoy Bluff, if you avoid Yes Man, right? If you enjoy a, a story with substance, I think Between Sins will be for you. Okay, people, so we've looked at the film. So let's now talk to the man behind it, right? Writer, director, producer, and he's got a whole hub of other host of other things under his belt. It is the great, the upstanding, the one and only Carlos B. Miller. Okay, people, so I am here with Carlos B. Miller. The director, the writer, the film philosopher, you know what I mean? Between between sins. Yo, Carlos, thank you very much for joining me, man. Really appreciate that. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, everything is great. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate you taking your time out to watch the film. I mean, I know that's 
there's a lot of films out there that you could be watching. So for you to watch mine, salute to you and thank you. Hey, no problem at all, man. I, look, when AJ hits me up, I know she's got something good up her sleeve. And yet again, yet again, she 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 threw me your piece, man. And yeah, I I really did enjoy it. I really honestly honestly, man, I honestly enjoyed it. There's I felt that you're giving this story and you're showing all these different elements, right? The good, the bad, the gray, right? Mm -hmm. And so as a viewer, you're navigating these things, but we're being shown the threads that are pulling these characters in these different directions. So it's not like, oh, he's obviously bad and he's doing, but you're like, you're understanding these things, right? You, you definitely, so definitely a bit when Puda, you know what I mean, gives that fat word and you're like, yo, don't take it, man. Don't, what are you doing? But then you kind of understand why, right? So it's just the things like that. And then you're showing all of these different things, you know, the, the, the Skylar, right? The way she reacts at the beginning and then how that's all developed, just all of these different things that you're bringing to life and it's just like it makes it so intriguing thank like, you uh, ahead, oh no 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 um yeah it, it was um the, the story is is really the collision um between the physical and the spiritual so when um the main character koi takes the money he's um uh, puda who's a representation of the, this physical argument of just being a taker, being a consumer, um, mm. only being able to understand what can be seen with the eyes and not with the soul. So when 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 Koi takes that money, he's being pulled back into the physical. However, throughout the story and from the beginning of the story, he's trying to leave this physical and go into the spiritual. But to but to tap into the spiritual means tapping into what you can't see, the, the incorporeal, right, the invisible. You know, um, you know, God, you know, um, the, the story is really, you know, um, big and centered around God and, and goodness and love. So it's a very hard thing for someone to leave a world that they're used to seeing and, 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 and that they're used that, that, that they're used to um, interacting with and now embracing something that you can't see and have faith that what you can't see would manifest in the things that you can't that you can see. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I, I, I guess especially when you're going back to the very environment which you left, right? Because the only things that are there are the things that you were a part of, right? So trying to then get to this new place, you're still in the thick of all the, all the other things that were holding you back. So it's trying to, because, you know, it's not like you have new friends, Right. right. So you're you're around the people that you used to hang with and, you know, being, you know, from jail, it's not like there's a load of new people that are like, oh, come into my house. You know, there's people have that hesitancy. They they've got that prejudice. So it's just like trying to change when you have all of that weight. It, it must be a difficult thing. So it's seeing all of that the way you show that is very interesting and also as you said i think you notice that there is this religious kind of framework around it 
But the thing that I thought was interesting, because we have the church, but then we also have the men's group, right? And so for me, it showed that kind of that 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 situation where um, I forget. It's been a long time since I read the Bible, so. <laughs> but I re I remember from my Sunday school days, which again a very long time ago, man. But um, it was there. There was this thing which I always found very interesting because, I, I, yeah, I forget who said it, but it was just like, you know, religion doesn't have to be within the confines of a place, right? Wherever you are, could be your church could be your you know what i mean your, your place of worship and that's what and then that completely blew everything for me because i'm just like why am i coming to sunday school when you can be in church anywhere right that's what it says it here so why are you trying to enforce this on me but i thought that was interesting seeing these two different environments and then the threads you weave between them and how right those different perceptions like interacting the story yeah absolutely um i mean if you think about um genesis and the early biblical characters there wasn't a church you mm. know there wasn't a bible you know uh, before moses came around um there wasn't a mosaic law so if you think about abraham and how did he come to know god how did he come to know god you know he 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 did a, a, a what i would call um deduction you know, he saw things in the earth and he was like, there has to be something greater than this. So you're absolutely right on, on, on one front where um, the, the, the church, the church is really not a building. It's the people. So so that's what that men group represents, because mm. you know, a lot of times we think we do have to go to a building. And it, there is a place and a purpose for, for the building uh, when you think about um, Jesus Christ and and, um, and him establishing the church. But with that being said, the church is not the building, it's the people. So that was the importance of that men's group. It's about the relationship with, with other people who are like-minded and who are going the same way that you are trying to go, which is again, back to the spiritual and away from um, the things that we can see on this earth. You know, uh, Biblically, it talks about if, if you wanna save your life, you gotta lose it. You gotta give up this world to gain everything. So. Um, the men's group is, is is a is 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 almost therapy in some sense, <laughs> you know mm. what I'm saying? But but therapy through the eyes of God, I guess. Yeah, no, that, that I think you definitely kind of get that, right? You you I feel that definitely comes out in the story, you know, though. It, the narrative is it, you do tell this story in an interesting way because within it all you you weave in you know the the uh you know the, the terrible situation with Corey Jones which I thought was interesting and especially when you think right that happened in 2015 right it feels not a lot has changed you know you know what i mean and so it's interesting that that is this this kind of device within the film and also then the way like the characters are around that incident and, and you can see especially like 
you know, at the end when we see Koi, you know, talk to his friend outside the church and they're talking about, you know, the protesting, which there was a really interesting line in that conversation where um, the guy, I forget his friend's name, but he's just like, man, I, you know, because I think Koi's like, yo, it seemed like you were, you, you know, you're hesitant to burn it down. And he's just like, well, I realized that, you know, there's not, we don't have much here as it is. If I was going to burn it down, what's, who's going to replace the things, right? What are they going to replace it with? Another liquor store? And that, like, what's going to happen? And that was always this thing that when you were watching everything that kind of took place over the pandemic, right with the, the injustices and then the reactions to those injustices but it was just like wait you're burning down your own neighborhood right it, and that i find I, I that just didn't make sense to me because i'm like look i don't really believe in burning down anywhere that's not necessarily because now you've given people a reason to go against you to be like oh look they're doing but it's like Go to the neighborhood of the people that are actually putting these weird laws in place that are putting not you know who are behind these procedures. You know what I mean? But you're you're in your neighborhood, destroying your neighborhood. There's no money going into it in the first place. So why do you think they're gonna rebuild it any different? Absolutely. And to kind of backtrack, um, when I, when I first wrote Between Sins, the Corey Jones narrative wasn't a part of the original script. Um, so Corey Jones was interwoven in the story after the incident happened. And what kind of really drew me to the story was that um, the stretch of road where he was killed, um, which is in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. I traveled that road my whole life, going to um, high school, um, elementary, and other parts of just um, my childhood because my mom taught um, along that stretch of road. Right. So so that was one connection to it. The other one, obviously, being that he's a black male uh, around the same age as myself. I think we're about a year apart. And then the third connection was him um, being a church drummer. So mm. it was these elements that almost was was very grounding and very humbling for me because this was and I'm not saying that other deaths weren't profound to me, but this was the really the first death where I felt like a first murder, I, I can't even say that I felt like, wow, this really could have been me. Mm, like like, mm. like this, this, this is a really a great young man whose life was taken for no reason at all. This wasn't, you know, this was a man on the side of the road trying to um, get his car repaired and the officer, ex-officer, abused his power and took his life for 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 no reason at all so yeah it, it and, and on top of that you know I, I i've had this struggle i'm gonna be honest with you i had this struggle with as a black community and just even as as people in general us always not addressing everything addressing mm. everything that uh faces us on uh, and, and particularly um the black community it, it, it's not just police. I mean, it's a lot of it is ourselves, but we don't like to have that conversation because mm. we feel like if we have that conversation, we're taken away from um, the, the police officer conversation. But a life is a life. And 
no matter how it's taken, it needs to be addressed. And all these uh, situations affect us um, as men, as women, as people, as children of God, you know? So I, I didn't want to be one-sided in the environment of Koi and Puda and the other characters. I want, because when we turn on the TV, we're seeing people killed by people in our own neighborhood. We're seeing police officers. It's not just one thing. So no. I want to show it as everything and not make it this microcosm of just this one incident only being done by this particular group or this particular uh, organization, et cetera, et cetera. So. Mm. Well, I, I think if you're only uh, trying to show something from one direction, like one narrative, right. and people understand that there are nuances to situations, then they lose faith in you, right? Yeah. How can someone believe you if you're only talking about one aspect of things and you're trying to ignore everything that's going on? Right, it, because an injustice is an injustice, right? When you talk about everything, you're not negating that. You're just, you know, you're showing all the different situations, all the things that can leverage a situation. Right, I agree, I agree on Harley. Um, yeah, and, and, and that was all I was trying to do. I'm, I'm, I'm very, um, I'm very, um, 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 at least I try to be very precise on what parts of storytelling um, having the characters interact with. Because I, I, I truly believe in world building and I believe in showing an entire world. Like if we look at just like the Bible, for example, it is a very thorough world. If you look at it from Genesis to Revelations, like these are well-built worlds. And I always like want to take uh, the characters that I create or that I, uh, you know, um, make, I have, a, I have a problem with saying create sometimes, so that I make, <laughs> because it puts me in a light that I don't like to be put in. So, <laughs> so these characters that I make, I, I try to put them in a world that is full and that is mm. thorough and that has some depth and that is not too deep, if you will. Mm. I, I have to be honest, right? There was, you know, when looking at the film at the beginning, I was worried, you know what I mean? Because I was a bit like, oh, is it just going to be this other tale around violence and all of that kind of thing? You know what I mean? Just the regurgitation kind of thing. Now, when I say that, I, you know, again, AJ sent it. So I knew there was going to be something to it, but it is like, okay, how is like what's going to make this different and i think the difference is the way you inhabit the space right there's i didn't notice you used a lot of kind of close-up camera work on the characters which really bring you into their orbit and add that kind of intimacy to it and then the way as i said look we we tell this story we come at this story from these different angles. So we see the full tapestry of it all, which I thought was interesting. So what kind of brought this to life, right? What what made you want to tell this story? You actually 
you hit on something very, and you're good, man. You hit on something very uh, important to me. So when it's from the genesis of this idea, I always wanted to tell a story that had a faith-based background, but it was for me not necessarily meant for people who go to church. So that's why I opened up the film the way I did, because I wanted to capture the people who I grew up with, meaning the people who are in the streets and mm. are still in the streets. So I always felt if I hit them with the, um, uh, a soft opening, <laughs> you know, I won't be able to capture their attention or I might lose their attention from the beginning. Now, I do realize that I might lose another audience based on that, but always felt, okay, if they give me two minutes past the intro, they'll see that it might be something else um, uh, a, a more that has more depth. Yeah. But someone who is like how I grew up, you know, in the streets, um, maybe not living the best of lives in terms of morally, um, they won't give you two minutes if they see that it is not in a direction that is kind of what you're used to in terms of action, in terms of crime in terms of you know these cliches and stereotypical um elements of storytelling um so so that was definitely the basis for the intro um as far as between sins itself it started off as a short so i did my undergrad excuse me, my graduate studies at nyu and for my second year i made a short called between sins and the, the you know it was it was a, it was a good short you know i'm still learning i'm still growing as as, as an artist and honing my uh, filmmaking skills in that toolbox. So I, I really had no intention of making a feature, but okay. I was really pushed and um, encouraged by not only my classmates, but my, but my professors to kind of draw this out into a feature because there were elements in the short that they kind of really gravitated towards. And I would say in making that decision and in agreeing with them, it, um, it got me back on the right track, to be honest with you. Um, I was, you know, again, I know you're going to hear a lot of me um, giving all credit to God and all glory to God. Uh, but there was a, a time in my life where that may not have been the case, especially if I would have uh, wrote a story that was more, um, you know, more, I don't want to say worldly, but more just what you're used to seeing, you know, yeah. as, yeah, as far yeah. as the normal genres. So I said with this film, Between Sins, it was my way of giving God my first fruits of my career, giving him my tithes, if you will, through, through film. And it might be the only chance that I get to do it. So that was kind of really um, the genesis and the reasoning behind Between Sins. Um, yeah. Okay. Now, one thing you said there, right? <laughs> you, you're at film school. Yes, sir. You've made this short. But you, you had no intent. You had no real thought of a feature. No, sir. So why you go to film school, son? Like, <laughs> what's happening here? Well, well, well. I, I didn't intend for Between Sins to be a feature. Ah, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. It's just like, yo, what's Carlos doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, no! I've been wanting to make a feature since middle school. Like, I, I got the film book. Um, when uh, it's funny, I always kind of I always tell the story, but I was in middle school and I ac accidentally got placed into a TV production class. Uh -huh. And 
I caught the bug in TV production class in the seventh grade. <laughs> and from then on, I've always wanted to make movies. That's that's always been the ultimate goal. Now, right. how, how, how we get there, I don't, you know, I didn't know. Yeah, course, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, so what were the things that kind of grabbed you back in those days? What, what was the kind of, when you did this, this class, right? What were the kind of things you were ingesting and you were thinking, hey, I, I, I want to make a film like that, or that's a director I'm looking up to, or, you know what I mean? What, Absolutely. What... Um, storytelling. I've been, all, I'll say there's two things. I've been always captivated by character and by story. Mm. Um, so when I say character, I'm going all the way back to the basics, if you will, of, of Greek philosophers. Um, Aristotle, mm. Socrates, um, Plato. And when you look at the original, one of the original definitions of character, it's the art of living. So that's really what I'm focusing on in between scenes is when people say, okay, I, I want to become a better person, what does that mean? You know, how do you get there? Um, and you look at the Greek philosophers, it was about practicing. It's, mm. it's about living it, you know. And that's one of the things that I, I, I believe is kind of left out. That we believe that we just wake up and become a decent person without no real rule book and without no real um, rule of law, if you will. So for me, that's a major reason why the Bible is important to me, um, because it has a standard. So it's like, OK, I could say I'm a good person, but without a real standard, I mean, I know people who, I mean, I mean, I shouldn't say it like this, but I, I know of people who have done um, horrible things and they will say they're a good person. Mm. So what are we basing this standard on? Um, so for me, it, uh, character is it, it, huge for me. Like I, I believe in, um, to the best of your ability, living, um, understanding what the morals are and then practicing the behavior that perfects these morals um so yeah yeah no that that, that that that's some important stuff you just said there right because i think that was one of the big things why i kind of stopped going to church really because you know even as a little kid i was seeing all these contradictions you know and it's like you see people behaving one way during the week and then you saw them at church talking all of this and it's just like hold on hold on but i know you were out doing this thing right i know y'all be do having an affair cheating on your wife i know your kids are mad <laughs> deep in drugs like what's what's going on here because when we're talking in this way, like you're above everyone, but you're then living this other way the rest of the week. And it just didn't make any sense to me. Right. And then now I think for me, I thought like though the pandemic was just crazy. Right. I thought it was a valuable way to see people's true nature. Mm. Because, you know, as you said, like, it's easy to say I'm a good person, but unless there's anything to back that up, how do we know? Absolutely. Right. And you have a lot of people going, I'm an ally. I'm this, I'm that. But it's just like, 
yeah, it's easy to say that when you don't have to stand by those words. Because the amount of times when you see something go down and then suddenly everyone turns their back, right? And, and, and it's just these kind of things that I find really interesting, you know, because everyone wants to talk and say certain things, but don't want to back it up. It was this, you know, when the whole Harvey Weinstein situation came to light, and then all these actors are like, oh, yeah, I always knew he was a piece of shit and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then someone put together some footage of all these actors at the Oscars or Golden Globes and being like, I want to thank Harvey. I want to thank Hart. And you're just like, yo, what, what's the deal? What's the deal? You, you, you were saying you knew about it, but you never called it out. Right? And so I think that's a very important thing to know right that it can be easy to you know declare something but are you living it are you practicing those things and i thought that was really you know telling in koi right all, all the things he you saw him doing and trying to do right right um a few thoughts kind of came to mind as you were saying this. Um, one of my professors at NYU, he had a film called Curie Wanda, um, Alric Brown. And forgive me, Alric, if, if I quote um, a line in your movie wrong, but one of the characters said, don't mistake the words of God with the action of men, you know? Um, so it, it, it's, it's that thing of, I, I get we have a hard time with, with we're seeing uh, men and women do one thing and profess to believe in another thing, but that doesn't negate the truth in God's word, you know? Um, and I'll also say this, um, I had a teacher <laughs> when I was an undergrad, I went to uh, University of Florida, go Gators. Um, I don't know if you know about Gators in, in, in UK, but you know, we, we, we big out here in America. <laughs> but, but I'll never forget, man, uh, this was like maybe 20 years ago. Uh, I had a white professor and he was teaching, he taught, he taught, he taught history. And he, had, and he told us that he was at the sit-in um, in the 60s with uh, Martin Luther King, et cetera, et cetera. And he had decided to do a sit-in um, with um, other Blacks at the time. And he sat down at a bar and he said, uh, you know, the, the crowd, the white mob at the time, they came and pulled one Black person off the seat and started beating him. Mm. And then they pulled another person off the seat next to him and started beating him. And he saw that they were making their way down toward him. <laughs> and he said the last minute he got up and he left. And what he said was, I have to have, I have a profound new respect for uh, the sacrifices um, that these black men and women uh, made because at that time I realized I was white and I didn't have to take this beating. Mm. You know, so I, 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 I was professing, yes, yes, I believe in equality. Yes, I believe in um, fighting injustice, but it's a hard thing. It's a whole other thing to to be to to sit there. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll have to and take a beating. I mean, you 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 really see who you are, and it was just a profound. I had profound respect for him to say that. 
and to kind of have that understanding, you know, of, of yo, I don't have to sit here. Now, I, I, it's kind of going along with what you're saying. Like, I can profess, you know, saying to, to, to want equality and diversity, but what does that look like? And how far are you willing to go? Are you just yeah. talking it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but when is the time to act? Are you willing to act? And that's, you're right. That's what the pandemic revealed. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that is, it, it's, it's this crazy thing. I remember I, I worked on my, actually my first job, right? It was in a food court in a shopping center in Bromley, right? Kent. And uh, when I started, like, I thought I was going to, I was, you know, applying for a job behind one of the counters and things like that. But no, they gave me a job waiting tables, but, I, you know, cleaning tables and all of that. And I, but I'm just like, yo, it's money, right? I can pay bills. I can do things. So, you know, whatever, whatever, man. I don't care. It's a job. And then you realize how racist this place was, right? Because they didn't really want black people behind the counter. And I think there was only two black guys behind the counter. The other people were girls. And one day, right, they sacked all the black guys. Just, and they made up excuses to do it. And I was just like, nah, I'm not. I'm not having this. I'm, so I I went to the head office. I filed a complaint, went to the head office, and uh, they were just like, you know, I, I showed the because they tried, they got this girl who supposedly was my friend to make up this whole thing that I hit her. And I'm just like, wait, what? I thought, you know, the, the week before, she was just like, you should come with me and my family. We go to Jamaica for New Year's. It would be great. Yeah. And then the next week, she's making up this story. And the thing was, I was on the other side of the <laughs> of the building talking to another manager at the time. So there was evidence of me somewhere else. And I went to the head office and I put that in front of them. I'm like, you know what? This is... This is lies. This never happened. What's going on here? You know? And they were just like, hmm. Well, we're still going to let you go because, you know, uh, you, uh, a misconduct charge was brought against you. I'm like, yeah, but it was a lie. They're like, well, it still happened. So <laughs> I'm just, and that really just opened my eyes to the craziness of what can happen to you. But it was just, unless, because, you know, after that, it was just like, nah, I'm not, I'm never backing down from these things. And there's, you know, other incidents have happened, you know, with racist bosses and things like that. But it's, I just feel if I was to sit back and just ignore it, who am I? Right? Because you definitely understand in some places that for your career probably makes sense to keep your mouth shut right to not say anything but it's like how can you look at yourself in the mirror if you're just willing to put your head in the sand right how, like what does that mean i was in a meeting recently and we were talking about like the the celebration of the the seven 
to the 70th birthday of the NHS, right? And it's also the 70th anniversary of the Windrush. And they were talking about it. And then they were like, um, oh, well, the Windrush happened before the NHS. So we don't actually have to have the Windrush within the NHS celebrations. And I'm just like, okay, let me ask you a question. Would the NHS be what it is without Windrush? And everyone's quiet. And I'm like, yo, would it be what it is without it? And they're like, uh, no, probably not. I'm like, exactly. So it's part of the celebration. Right? And everyone has to admit it. Everyone has to be like, yeah, all right, you're right. But at that moment, you understand that, okay, <laughs> these people don't like me now. Right? But it's just, who are you going to be? Right. I feel that's the thing. Who are you going to be? And you notice there's a load of people that want to declare one thing, but still want to put their head in the sand when the moment counts. Yeah, it, 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 it takes courage. It takes bravery. And I get it. It's, it's, it's not that's not a these are not easy traits to just blurt out and, and, and try to to live, you know. Um, and even going back to what faith is, it takes courage, again, to leave the physical and embrace something that you can't see. So mm. I, I, I get it, you know, I, like, um, you know, um, and, and we're all we're all trying to put this front forward on the outside. But character is when no one else is watching, you know. That's 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 where men and women are really built you mm. know, when no one else is watching. And it's a hard thing to look at yourself in the mirror. It's hard. It's been hard for me to look at myself in the mirror at the time and say, Carlos, you got to make adjustments, man. Do you love God? I don't you. Because if you do, you got to make some changes, fam. You, you, you got to, you know, you, either in or you out. And and that and that's that that takes a level of courage. That takes a level of bravery to to go against the deception that I that I can put on when I step outside. But when I get back in the house, I know who I am. Mm. <laughs> you know? And yeah. I gotta face that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, def but I, I the interesting thing about your lecturer, right? Yes. He could have just told the story of, and I was there with um, King and they protested and I stood on, sat on that stool. Right. Wait for that applause. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't have to say, and as they got closer, I was just in fear and I got up and walked out. Absolutely. Didn't have to say. And so, look, I, I always believed that it's, you know, I mean, there's definitely times when you might falter. You might go, actually, I don't need that heat, man. Like, I can't, I can't right. deal with that, the ramifications of this situation. But everything is a learning curve, right? Everything you, you gain from those experiences. So the fact that, you know, I mean, he's talking about this and actually will say what actually happened. I think mean, that's... That's a big one because there's a load of people that would stop at the point of, and I sat down on that stool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And going back to like storytelling and, and character, that's what makes, in, in my opinion, that's what makes a movie or 
you know, something that we're watching on, on TV or in theaters interesting because we see the progression of the character, you know, the character arc. We see mm. how the plot and how the world is altering a character from the beginning of a film. Um, like Koi, when you see him leaving a prison to where he arrives at at the end, and you get to see each plot, each circumstance, each decision that has um, fully um, made him go beyond the point of no return. Um, so that, that's that's what's always drawn me to storytelling: the fact that a character can be fully transformed by the time we finish watching a movie, for mm. better or for worse. Yeah, definitely, definitely. How? Because I, I, I will definitely say, man, the cast you got for this film, man, they did a fantastic job. And I should also say, right, because I definitely gave praise to Caroline Johnson and Skylar Rain Rowe when I was talking about the film, but I forgot to mention. You know what I mean? Taylor and Duval, because those performances as well, great performances, man. So how did you get these people involved in the film? Uh, so I, I definitely first want to acknowledge George Taylor, who played Coy, uh, Rico, Rigoberto Duval, who played Kuda, uh, um, Angela Khan, who played Angela, uh, like I said, Carolyn Johnson, who played the mom of, of Coy, and uh, Skylar Rain Rowe, who played the daughter of, of, of Coy as well. Uh, with that being said, the majority of this cast is, is non-actors. Uh, so the lead character, he was, I, I, I didn't grow up with him, but I, I've known, uh, we call him Slim, so I might slip up and call him Slim, but we, we know George Taylor. I, I've known George Taylor for about 15 plus years, and I met him actually in the music studio um, during early parts of my career when I was just doing music videos and just doing little odds and ends uh, video type of work. Um, I would see him in the studio and we kind of um, created a real friendship um, in artistry. And he will always like let me know he's a thespian and that he wants to do um, stuff beyond music. Um, mm. So when the opportunity came for um, this project, I kind of saw things in him that showed me that he can embody the Koi uh, and embody the range of emotions that Koi um, displays throughout the film. So. Uh, George Taylor, again, who plays Corey, he's a non-actor. Rigoberto Duval has an incredible story, uh, real-life story. Um, he comes, he, I'm going to say this in a way, but he, in a lot of ways, he is Puda. And, like, he is Puda to the T. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, again, but he's a non-actor. Um, Skylar Rain Rose, she's the true daughter of the main character, George Taylor. That's his daughter. That's his real life daughter. Oh, <laughs> okay. So, so it, it's elements and it surprises in there. And, and I'll, I'll say this: um, when I was at NYU, I had this teacher. Um, um, excuse me, um, uh, my Alex Rockwell. Um, he's a, 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 a filmmaker, and he will always champion non-actors um, and he will always like just say man it like trained actors are great but they sometimes are too polished sometimes they are mm. um too clean if you will and sometimes you need a little bit of slime on, on on your actors to make them just um um feel authentic in the world so mm. he gave me this type of uh encouragement to 
look in my neighborhood, to look um, amongst my friends and family and find these characters who I've seen my whole life and, and identify traits in them that I can transfer um, into between sins. So, 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 so credit to um, the training that I receive and, and, and being able to identify to the best that I, I could, you know, non-actors, I didn't have the money anyway. That's a, <laughs> let's keep it real. <laughs> but so you know, you know, creativity sometimes comes with constraint. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I definitely respect that though, right? Because it's about giving opportunity. Facts. And like there's times when you you feel that you can do something, right? But no one's willing to give you that chance so you know when you give people an opportunity you you can reap the rewards and i feel you definitely did with this feature man thank you so so how did you kind of um communicate the story with them and their characters like do you sit down with people like do you use like reference material music soundtracks like how do you kind of work with cast to create you know the 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 characters so speaking with george tiller if you ask george tiller he will tell you that there were spooky parts to this film because coy is and was exactly where george tiller was at in his life during this time so he would tell you he didn't even have to reach to play court because it was so many elements um, displayed in Koi that was exactly who he is as a person and what he was going through at the time. The, the relationship that he has with Skyler in the film, that's where he was in real life with his daughter. They were having this, um, these problems and these roadblocks in, in, their, uh, in their relationship, and it just was transferred to film. It's a lot of different spooky yeah. things about this film. Like, um, again, Puda, I, I can't, I, I wish I could say what's going on, but, but, but it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. things there that are true to life. Um, you, you see even in the film that a character who was um, killed in the film was killed similarly in, in real life later on. Oh. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's some very surreal elements in this film and i could go on and on and on and on um so a lot of time i'll give you one example now um there's a scene when um when koi is talking to a young lady and she's trying to sell the car i don't know if you i don't know if you remember that scene Mm, mm. we actually found her right in that moment and i showed her the script and the role and she started breaking down crying right before us and me and me and me and George Taylor, we're like looking at each other, like, what's going on? And she goes, Yo, this exact thing just happened to me three months ago. This exact, you know, I, I don't want to give too much of the story away, but this exact scenario, this exact storyline happened to me. So that's the film. Boy. Like and, <laughs> that's the entire film. So I really didn't have to reach. It was really showing people a script and they're like, oh, well, this is me. I could do this, you know, and it was only thing I was doing was refining and honing and kind of pulling out different things. But I didn't really have like I was showing them a mirror of themselves. A lot of times. Mm, mm. 
Yo, that's some freaky shit. Like, it just feels that it was like right time for this to happen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Huh. And because I, I, I noticed, uh, well, a, AJ sent me a little bio for you. And it, it says, like, you took a break to start live, live fresh. Yes, sir. Right? So, how much did that? kind of play on the story that you wanted to tell? Uh, you know, it's one of those things where, again, um, everything happens for a reason. Um, so at that moment in my life, I didn't know how Between Sales was going to come about. And I was out here every day in a hot Florida sun washing hundreds or giving showers, I should say, to hundreds and hundreds of homeless individuals every day. Um, and I'm seeing my classmates, you know, going to NYU, you know, uh, you know, a lot of kids go out there and do great things. So I'm having mm. conversations with classmates who are winning Oscars, who are, you know, have shows here and have shows there. And I'm out in a hot sun making no money um, believing that I have talent, believing that I have a purpose just like they do. And I'm out here, I, I, I say it like this, I used to say it like this, I'm, I'm out here washing asses, <laughs> you know, yeah. washing butts. And I don't mean it in a disrespectful way, but I, I mean it in a way that that is very real. So I'm out here scrubbing and, and, and cleaning toilet after toilet, shower after shower, six, seven hours a day. And God, how, how does this connect to my greater purpose? But during that time, I was learning about people. I was learning about humility. I was learning about dignity. I was learning about love. I was learning about um, a true uh, care and understanding and compassion for, for, for humankind. Um, and it, again, it, it helped me to steer from the direction I was going. Because again, I mean, if I made the films that I wanted to make, they would blend right into the rest of the films, you know, that that's out there right now. Mm. Um, but that wasn't really my purpose. My, you know, I, I, I'll say this. I, I do understand that there might be a, a, a sections of people that don't get this film. But one thing I do believe is that, or I like to believe, is that everyone will feel something about this film but they don't know exactly what they're feeling. So mm -hmm. my goal was always to tap into the soul. And that's the element of my filmmaking I'm exploring. And Live Fresh kind of, surprisingly enough, helped me to do that because I couldn't, I, I can no longer look at that person who, who has nothing and, and turn up my nose to them like they're nothing. Because when I'm having these conversations, oh, you're deeper than that. You're, you're, you're more than just what's on the outside. There's something inside of you that if the world was given a chance to see, they will embrace you and love you and want to see you um, rise up for your situation. And I think that's the element that's missing. Uh, again, it, it, it's this physical thing of always wanting to see the outside and judge things based on what we see. And love is, uh, is, is something that you can't see. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, you, you you can see his fruits, but you can't see love. Mm. And, you know, so that that's what Live Fresh really did for me. It, it really helped me to 
um, tap into, become selfless, you know, in, in a lot of ways. Mm. But how do you decide to become that when you're still chasing your dreams, right? You, you haven't had any success, right? right? But that's what you want. You want to be a director. You want to make things, right? And you haven't got there yet, but you decide to give back. And it's you're giving back without having things to give, you know, in a way, right? Absolutely. So, like, there's, you know, you always hear people start these charities and philanthropic you know, organizations once they're at the top, right? Once they're in a place and it's just like, oh, look at them giving money. And it's just like, but when you think of what they got, that's like a minuscule amount, right? right? Like they're doing this thing because they're in this place. But when you, you're doing that without that other platform, right? That's impressive. Like that is, is, is something that's always, I find, interesting so yeah like what drives you to do that before you've got to where you want to be um i will say it wasn't easy i i mean I'm, to keep it real with you I, I cried a lot of times while i was cleaning um and, and helping others um because i very much could be in the same situation i was sleeping on my mom's couch um i mean i maybe uh, these past 10 years was maybe made no more than 10,000 a year. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm just living in the same, in a lot of ways, in, a, in a very close to the same poverty that I was trying to change. Um, but to kind of go back, you, you, you're hitting on something because we do, you know, you'll have that person say, um, I'll give back once I hit the lottery. Mm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I, I'll, I'll give back once this happens. I'll give back once that happens. And I find that to be, uh, what's the word? I find that to be very dismissive of what you can do right now, right? So to give you an example, you know, you, you look at manna in, in the Israelites. Um, what is the, because con- it's, it's mentioned in between sins as well. What's what's one of the concepts of even that whole idea of angel food falling from heaven? Well, in the Bible, it says, okay, you're going to get this manna and only take what you need to eat and everything else will rot. Mm. So if you try to take more, you won't be able to take more. And if you think about that concept and, and apply it to the world, if we only took what we needed, then there is no problem. You know, that was the lesson that gets overlooked, only taking what you need and, and leaving the rest for somewhere else. You know, all this building up and storing. So that I, going back to the idea of me waiting to, I'm able to store up something and then give back, it's just, who, who knows what my mindset is at then? Because mm. now I'm, I'm, I'm in a whole consumer mentality and, and capitalistic mentality of, of being ferocious and consuming. So who, who knows if when I do get the money, I'm at the right character standpoint where I can be like, okay, I want to give back. 
<laughs> you know, like that, that you, I'm, I'm not confident in myself that I'm, that I'm going to be able to flip that switch on and just, you know, oh, I got some money. Let, let me go ahead and give it back. You know, it's just I, I don't trust myself about that. You know? mm, mm. I think that was definitely a big again, a big part of the pandemic. Right. Because you saw people taking more than they needed. Right. You go to the superstore and it was just that instead of going, I, I just need, you know, one packet of toilet rolls. It's like I'm buying 20. Right. I just need, you know, w one chicken and be like, I'm buying 20. And so you saw all, all the shelves go and everything and people being like, where's the food? Where's the food? And it was just like there was plenty of stuff. But everyone went into this famine mindset and was just buying more than they actually needed because it was you didn't care about the other people. Right. It was just like, well, I'm having this stuff. I need this stuff when it's just like, well, you don't need it all. But I think mean, that's what happens sometimes. Absolutely. That, that, that self-preservation like really kicks in. Like mm, all that mm. matters is my survival and, and my well-being. And it's like, well, you're my brother, man. I don't care if you live in the UK, man. It's you know, we were we're, we're coming from one God, one creator. You know what I'm saying? So to love my brother as myself, well, yes, I must, because really you are me. We have the same DNA. You know what I'm saying? We we have the same blood, you know. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. so if I take from you, I'm really taking from from my son in a way. You know, I'm really taking from my brother who who's really comes from my lineage of of, of, of close proximity, if you will. Mm. But we don't look at it like that, you know. We look at, we look at a stranger as a stranger, and it's no, they're really your brother, they're really your sister. And if we had that mindset. A lot of things that are happening in our society wouldn't really happen because I would like to think that you, you would do the most you can to take care of your family. And if you and if we extend that outside just of our immediate family, then who knows where this world would be right now? That would mm. be a much better place. Yeah. Oh no, definitely. But I think also in that vein, right? It's helping people, which you know, giving people opportunities, which you did with the, you know, the cast of the film, you know, because there's, I think a lot of times we get to a place and instead of turning around and helping the next person up the ladder, it's just like, there's only room for me. So you're kicking the ladder away and be like, no, 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 this is my spot. I'm not giving it up rather than, you know, which the group, right? When it's just like, iron sharpens iron, right. right? And that's always my fault, right? You want to be in a room with like-minded people because you learn, you gain, you evolve, and you sharpen yourself in those environments. Right. Now, in, in, in the purest form, in the most ideal, idealistic form of the church, that's exactly what the purpose would be, exactly what you're saying. You know, like, for you to be around other men and other women who want to help that soul see the full glow of light and a full, you know, ray and array of light, you know, that, 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 that's the goal. Mm. Um, but I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree with you um, with that statement. Yeah. Mm, mm. So 
how did the you know what i mean the the whole process of putting this film together go like you know what i mean what was the shoot like right <laughs> like how was the fundraising you know what i mean how how did it all uh go right was it what you envisioned making a feature would be like what did you learn what shocked you what surprises were there Everything. <laughs> I mean, everything. I mean, it, I am a completely different person after making this film um, than I was before. Um, so I had, at the time, I had an agent um, uh, before I started shooting Between the Sins. Um, and I'm gonna give you a little bit of backstory. Um, at one point in time, I had roughly uh, 400K on the table to try to shoot Between the Sins. Um, yeah. And this was around um, the inauguration of Trump. And the investors at the time weren't really sure um, what the Trump presidency would do to the economic scene at the time. So they was kind of hesitant to put the money into the film. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, right before that, I was blessed with a grant um, through NYU and the Richard Vig Fund. And so I had received a grant um, that uh, was supposed to help make the fund. Now, let me give you a further one little backstory as well. Um, right before I shot Between Sins, I had worked um, on a film with Chloe Zhao, you know, who, who directed The Internals, who directed um, Sons My Brothers Taught Me, the writer, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And when I was out um, on her first feature film that she did in Pine Ridge, South Dakota, which was a Native American reservation, I had saw her go through a situation where, um, and I hope Chloe doesn't mind me sharing this, um, how you doing, Chloe? Um, but but she 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 lost a significant amount of funding um, while she was out there shooting the film. So she had a script that was supposed to be made for such and such amount of dollars, and it got drastically reduced. And I saw her persevere and push through all these obstacles and make a film that is beautiful to me, um, especially um, being able to work alongside her behind the scenes and just see every obstacle to every obstacle that she overcame. So fast forward to my turn to make my first feature film. Um, and I'm having this situation now where my agent is saying, what do you want to do uh, at the time? Do, do, do you want to shoot this? Do you want to wait and see if the investors will, um, you know, some sometime in the future uh, actually put the money in? Or do you want to shoot it with what you have? Now, I have nothing but I still at this time and really still trying to go the non-actor route. But these are revolving and evolving lives. And a lot of these people who are in my community, they're going through um, circumstances where they might not be here five months from now. They might, mm -hmm. you know, they might be in a different mindset or they might have a, a, a dire situation um, that changes their availability. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna take this grant that I have and make this film. Um, but what gave me the confidence to do that, again, was going back to seeing Chloe Zhao do it. Um, so that was the beginning of me just taking my hands off the wheel and just going back to this thing of practicing what you preach, you know what I'm saying, or what you believe in. It's not like, like if you believe in faith, then believe in it and just keep on moving forward. So this was the hardest thing I've ever done because I never had enough. 
I had a lot of rejection. Um, I had to do everything on the film. Um, and, and, and when I said and, and credit to all, to my producers, Tyler Cheatham, to the editor, the cinematographer, um, Jonathan Franklin, to my homeboy, I'm in his office right now to help me edit and was like the visionary in terms of the cinematography, um, Carlos Gonzalez. Um, but it was a very small crew, you know, um, also give credit to um, Shamika, um, who did the art direction. And um, But it, it was still, with that being said, it was a very small crew and I had to take on a lot. And I'm an introvert. So when you start asking me a hundred questions a day, I'm just like, hold on, my brain is like overloaded. <laughs> you know, so even the mental part alone was just like overwhelming. Um, but also just not knowing where the next thing um, would come from in terms of getting this this film done was very challenging. Like I um like the the, the church scenes and having to approach the Corey Jones family and ask for their blessing to kind of um, um include his story in the film, having to step in front of my mom's church right after a church service and say, hey, can you guys wait another 10 minutes and just give me the, the most authentic worship that you can and let me film it. Like these were things that I had to constantly do time and time again and force me to kind of be a leader and step outside of myself and kind of um, um, not talk it, but walk it. Um, so the process was, was, was it, it showed me who I really am. You know, mm. and I, I know you probably you might hear that a lot with directors say that, but this was really a life changing experience because it really helped me to tap into another level of faith and like allow me to see God in a way that is precious because I couldn't do it without him. Like I was literally at his mercy of kind of walking me through this. And he didn't fail me. And now I'm over here talking to Kevin Scott, man, in the UK, man. You know, <laughs> you know, and, and I give all credit and all glory to God. It's not me, fam. But it definitely changed me and, and, and made me um, more of uh, a man in a lot of ways. Mm, no, but I, I think that's, you know what I mean? Like, really impressive because I think sometimes right it's we think well i don't have this thing so i can't do that right but it's you have to get creative right you have to get innovative and some there's things that you can do if you just think out of the box but we're so used to doing things within these lines right you go to school and you know college and uni and they're like right this is how you do things, right? No, 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 don't do that. That's reckless, that's crazy. No, this is how you do it. So we get programmed into this mindset. And there's so many things that could be going past us, could be slipping out of our grasp because you don't wanna step across the line. You don't wanna think outside that box. And I always believe that you might not have something right now right and you might not have all the components to do something but always be ready right always be ready because then when that last bit comes into place or that other you know something opens up you can seize that opportunity right right and you should always be ready to seize the opportunity 
because you'll regret it when those things go past you. And it's like you were ready, right? You, you, you know, you stepped outside the box. You were like, yo, could we film this church scene? Like, could we do this thing? And that's, I think, a load of people. And, you know, whether it's first time directors, you know what I mean? Whether it's someone stepping into the workplace, someone, you know, looking to ask out someone, like that's something that everyone should hear. You know what I mean? That you don't necessarily wait. You just step out and you 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 take that leap of faith, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. We, we create giants. We create a lot of giants in our life. Um, we scare ourselves off the porch, if you will, a lot of times. In fear and in just, oh, well, this is why not. This is why I can't do it. Well, you know, why not? Why not? Why? Why? Just try. Just, just, just take one step. But again, that that requires us to take the eye off ourselves. You know, because because if 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 we are completely relying on ourselves in a lot of these situations, that's why we are scared. Like if again, if if, if I would have believed in myself solely, I wouldn't have had the courage to 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 do it, to to say, okay, all I have is this. This is not enough to get a film done. Mm. This is this is not even enough to pay the crew or or pay, or pay for the camera. So we're gonna start this thing and. I'm just going to trust and we're going to trust that the end will come. You know, but you look at this film, Kevin, this film, we shot this film in, in 2017 all the way through 2021 because oh, we, we okay. had to wait for the documentary portion of, of the Corey Jones trial to play out. So we were shooting for a number of years and people are looking at me like, yo, what's up, Carlos, man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like we're, we're starting to doubt you. You know, we're starting to question um, the, the trust that we put in you. And I can't, you know, I always tell, I, I teach um, screenwriting and directing as well. So I always tell my students, yo, remember that it's your vision. It's, it, 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 it's your eyes. So I can explain the process to I turn blue to everyone that's a part of the process, but they can't see because they don't have your eyes. The most they can do is believe. So I could explain all day, oh, this is going to happen. Just trust me, trust me, trust me. But on on their part, either they do or they don't, because I'm seeing it, but I can't pop out my eyes and what I feel in my heart and say, here, you know, t- take a peek. You know, so it's a, a lot of it's also battling that, battling your convictions, battling what you believe in and not being swayed when uh, people, they're not even being negative. It's just, again, they can't see what you see. Mm. You know, because I'm again, I'm you know, I'm, I'm I'm looking through something that can't be seen. You know what I'm saying? So how do I, I can't say, OK, what I'm looking at is this picture on the wall. <laughs> you know, I can't point to a finite point. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So, yeah, it's, it's that was very challenging. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> mm. But it, it sounds like, you know, your experience with Chloe really helped influence and guide you through this situation which is just like you know what i mean how valuable do you think like a kind of mentorship an experience can guide you in life 
I used to, what's the word? I used to not value it a lot at all, but being around Chloe um, and then at NYU being around Spike Lee, you always think that you're at a level until you see someone at another <laughs> level. And you're yeah. like, oh, I wasn't really doing nothing at all, man. You know, you know, I'm not as big as I thought I was, you know, and, mm. and, and you're humble. You're like, oh, okay, they have a different level of ferociousness. They have a different level of discipline. They have a different level of, of courage and tenacity, and, you know, an organization. And to see Chloe again, just go to a world that is completely foreign to her as a Chinese American and be among Native Americans and try and, and tell a story um, that is, is pure in a lot of in a lot of ways. And just to see how the people of that land like, really gave her their complete trust to tell a story that was authentic. OK, yeah, I got to give my head out to you. I, 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 I see what's possible. You know, you don't even got to say much to me. Just let me watch. You know, mm. let, let me watch how you move, and I and I'm gonna pick up something. You know, mm, mm. And, and and I will say. Now I have complete um, respect for mentorship. You know, because I I do believe a lot of times the problem is um, us as 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 you know as people, we're thinking that we're operating on the level. And, and we think it, it should just come to us, but we don't really see the level that everyone else is operating on. So we get a false sense of how fast we're moving. And know that, that you know, you, you're really running against a racehorse <laughs> and, and you're a little pony. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that too many people don't realize they're a pony, man. They think they're Mustangs. And it's Come just on, like, man. oh, you are a pony. <laughs> My little pony. I don't know. <laughs> uh, man, this man got uh, a B8 on his engine, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, I remember um, I, I was doing Mai Tai, and I'd been doing it for a while. And I'm just like, you know what? I've got hands, man. My kicks are slick right and um uh it was a, a time and um the gym i was training at like they they would they had this connection with like um these these thai trainers and fighters and so they would come to the gym and train and everything like that and th this guy i forget his name he was a great guy but i was just like i i feel i can spar with you man <laughs> yeah, let, you know, I think I'm ready. I think, let, yeah, let's do it. He pieced me up. But it, this is the thing, right? It wasn't, e he wasn't even throwing hard shots or anything like that. It was just little tap, 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 tap. But it, just the speed and fluidity just made me go, oh. I'm a pony, right? <laughs> I thought I was, I thought, oh, man, I've got skills, man. I've got, and I was just like, oh, I know nothing, right? And that was such an interesting experience because it made me go, all right, I think I'm training hard, but I need to go deeper, yeah. right? I need to soak up even more information right. if i want to go anywhere with this and it was just that that thing that i i took from that and i think it's like you can take these experiences 
right? And just incorporate it into life, you know? Because it's like with, because I do communications, you know, as the day job. And I want to be in the room with the most intelligent people because I, you know, I feel I bring some different things to the table, right? I can innovate, I can do all of this, but I do not know everything. So it's always interesting to hear what other people are saying, to see these other things that are going down because you gain from that experience and you can take that with you. No, I, I absolutely agree. Um, it, it reminds me of um, we ever get a chance w- w- watch the video on YouTube with um, Bow Wow and Kobe Bryant. So, so Bow Wow is playing Kobe Bryant, right? And you know, you know, Kobe is Kobe, mm. and Bow, but Bow Wow thinks he can hang with Kobe. So, 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 so Bow Wow says this line, man. He goes, man. I mean, excuse me. Kobe Bryant says this line, and he goes, man. It's a whole. And I hope I say it right, but he goes. It's a whole lot different watching a great white on TV than it is swimming with him. And, 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 it, and it goes back to, yeah, okay, we, we watch things on TV and we watch, you know, people perform great acts and, you know, um, whether it be athletic or doing something that's very artistic. And it looks so simple because they're making it look simple. But when mm. you actually get out in the water, and swim with the shark or, 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 or do this you know situation you realize how hard it is to kind of perform um these things that 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 these people are performing and that are having success and making it look easy whether it be sports whether it be uh, film etc etc painting whatever you want to call it oh for sure for sure i just remember the first time i did an open mic right and the week before I'm just in the queue and you're talking to people and you're just thinking like, man, I feel I'm funny, right? I make people laugh. I can do this shit, right? And I mean, the guy I was standing with, he was just like, oh man, everyone tells me I'm so funny. I'm going to do this thing. And like, we didn't get up that first week, but the next week we both went and I remember he went up and nothing, nothing hit just nothing hit and you just saw the confidence just drain out of him as he was on the stage and then i'm just thinking how's it gonna go for me and it's like you get up there and you you start to kind of you know try and feel your way through and luckily it kind of all worked out for me but the anxiety Right, you 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 you're just sweating. You're just feeling so like confined, and it's just like <sighs> you know, what I mean? it's, right. it's just that fear that you don't understand. Right, it looks so effortless when you watch these great comedians doing their thing, and you just think, ah, I make my friends laugh. That's gonna be easy, right. and it's just like no. No, no, no. You, you, you haven't. Like you've still got stabilizers, right? You're, you're nowhere near that. They, you know, what I mean, they're doing wheelies, and you, you have just taken your first steps, man. You know what I mean? And I think that's the thing we need to understand. Sometimes, you know, there's, there's so much hubris. Like you just think, oh, I can do. That's simple. I can do that thing, and it's just like, no, no. 
<laughs> I agree. I, I, I agree a thousand. I, I apologize. Um, this this is the editor for Between Sins. He, he got these heavy feet walking back and forth. Because <laughs> Carlos Gonzalez is a good dude, man. I, I, I apologize. Hey, hey, no, man. Luckily, uh, Homie did a good job with the film, so we're going to give him a pass. Oh, right? so you, you did a good job with the film. <laughs> <laughs> That like when you were making the film, was it did it all go how the story was originally envisioned, or like did you change things in the edit? Did you change things on the day, you know, when you saw the first playback and feel actually no, let's shoot it a different way? Like how much change happened? Uh, most of the change actually happened in the editing, um, and I always, you know, believe this. If believe in believe in this philosophy of, you know, the first part of the storytelling is in the screenwriting, the second part of the storytelling is as production, and the third part of the storytelling is in the editing. Um, so uh, I actually, you know, also do a lot of writing, um, novel, you know, course screenwriting. Um, and when I do my writing, I like to, um, I, I would call myself a discovery writer, uh, which is, you know, sometimes I don't know where the character is going. I don't know, you know, where the plot is going. And mm. I'm just waking up and just writing and not even thinking about how it's going to end and not even worrying about how it's going to end. So uh, I said it to say that in the editing, me and Carlos Gonzalez, um, we had a lot of exploration to kind of wrap up the story. We kind of went with how the story was feeling, how the movie was feeling at the time. And we would just get up and say, you know what, we need this. Let's get up and shoot um, th this scene. Oh, you know what? We, I kind of feel like black and white might be good in this portion of the film. Let's go ahead and mm. try to find some scenes that kind of fit this feel that's kind of be molded. So I would say the editing is the most unheralded part of filmmaking. You know, it's, it's, it, it kind of, again, goes back to Oddly enough, that idea of, of what character is, you know, of it's the things that you can't see, that you can't see that perfects a person. It's also, in likewise manner, it's the things that you can't see that perfect the story. So the editing was 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 immensely um, important in adjusting the story and in perfecting the story to the to, to the best way between sins could be perfected. But a lot of times, again, we were just going by feel, going by what we were creating at the time and you know what let's grab something else let, let, let's let's go you know i'm supposed to say carlos gonzalez he'll be like yo I'm, I'm feeling the film kind of going in this direction what do you think about this i'm like okay cool. you want to go shoot that and we will shoot it so yeah for sure like the the story altered a lot but the most it altered was in the editing portion of the film okay yeah. now when you were editing how much separation did you like try and give yourself from like a first watch to kind of figure out this is where we actually want to take this story or is it kind of intuitive like as soon as you see something you can understand the changes that need to be made so i was learning the whole process of, I mean, constantly learning. So it was intuitive in a sense that I was actively applying things that I was learning um, from day to day 
as we were going through the editing process. So I actually did the first pass of the film of just laying everything down as I saw the story. And I probably, it took me a long time, like a lot to kind of sync up everything because the way we shot was just, just wow. I mean, <laughs> like the fact that this, that this is a movie in a lot of ways is a testament <laughs> to, to a lot of things. Of so so the, the, the puzzle piece in part gave me ample enough time to kind of separate from the story. And then when I was able to kind of lay the first pass down, um, I sat down with Carlos and we kind of figure out uh, what the story really was. And a lot of credit to him um, for being the extra eyes and seeing things that I could not see in terms of, of, of editing the film and in terms of even the whole creation of the story. Um, it, it, it's, it's having, I, I, this experience taught me that um, it's good and it's vital and essential. And actually, Chloe taught me this as well, to, to trust people. You know, it's a, you know, film is collaborative. You know, it's not just you, you know, you're not just making this thing by yourself. You're working with actors and you're trusting them to see things in that character that you can't see. You're trusting them to bring out um, traits and nuances in a character that you can't see. And it's the same thing with every other um, part of the, the, the filmmaking process in terms of crew, you know, to trust Lowe's to, you know, to see something about storytelling and theme and, and, and a voice and, and a tone of a story that maybe might have been lost to me or I might have overlooked. So um, that, that to me, that's vital to have someone that you can trust um, to mm. see things you can't see. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 the filmmaker, um, great guy, Marcus Fleming told me something similar. Right, and he had a film out called Blonde Purple, which a great film, a really good. Like, if you enjoyed Spike Lee's Inside Man, it's 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 kind of themically the same, but very different. But it is such a great. I highly recommend if you like that kind of film, that kind of crime kind of suspense type of thing i man blonde purple is an incredible film to check out but yeah he's definitely said some similar things um about you know trusting the actor to to bring something to life you know right i mean you have to i mean that that's that's why you hired him <laughs> you know like like you know like i mean to, it goes back to what you were talking about even like you were surprised like to think you see it all that's kind of you're just kind of not allowing the film to go in every direction that it can go if you're trying to micromanage every moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there, there are things that you're not going to be able to see. You know, that's why mm -hmm. we, you know, when you're driving a car, you have rearview mirrors and everything. Like, like there are angles that you can't see, <laughs> and you know, and you need another, you know, an, another vision, another opinion. You know, it stands to, to to verify or discredit what you think it is that you're seeing. You know, so yeah, yeah. No, very true, man. Very true. Now, what has this like experience done for you, right? Because this is your, like your first feature. You know, I mean, you you had all of these things going again. You know, budget and just all of these things, but you you did it, right? 
you did it. Now the film comes out on the 31st over here. Yes, I, like, is it out statewide yet or is it um, 31st out there too? 31st out here as well on Amazon, Xfinity, Cox, Voodoo, um, uh, Xfinity. So these are networks uh, outside of Amazon. They are local to the United States. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, how do you feel? Right. How, how do you feel about all of this process, where you are now, and then the fact that the film's dropping on Friday, man? I feel amazing. And honestly, this is the first time that I've felt these feelings. Like, so even when it went to, you know, uh, the film festival, uh, American Black Film Festival, uh, shout out to Nicole and Jeff Friday. Um, you know, I, I was still trying to manage expectations and kind of not be too high, too low. So mm. for these past years of making this film, I've always tried to kind of just, again, manage my expectations and emotions. But when I found out that we finally got distribution, that was kind of, for me, the finish line. Like I, you know, my wife, she was like, how do you feel? And I was like, like I actually feel great. And that was the first time I could kind of really say that and kind of really let the full range of emotions that I was feeling kind of be let out and know that they would not be denied or, you know, disappoint, you know, saying be, be yeah. let down. So the, this process has kind of taught me perseverance, to be honest with you, um, taught me to trust others, um, taught me um, to lead by example. Um, and it's also given me the space to, um, present myself at this moment to you and to the rest of the world in the light that as much I, as I'm trying to not disappoint God, you know what I'm saying? I, I think if this film would have came out any earlier, um, I was still doing things that, you know, um, I'm not necessarily proud of, you know? So I, I think um, the maturity throughout this film is, is and the time that it took, from speaking for me personally, to come to a level of maturity um, to where now when I'm talking to you, you can't say, you know, you can be like, oh, he's, he's not just like those people who are in the church who were saying one thing and doing another. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, of course, still not perfect, but I, I definitely can, you know, say with confidence at this point that I'm, I'm striving for something that's, that's greater than me. And, mm. um, and, and, and this film has, it, 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 this film was the, the, the engine behind that change and that growth so i'm i'm very appreciative about that man that that that's great to hear that's great to hear. and you know what i think if everyone's honest like we're all still striving right we're still no one's a finished thing right it, it's about evolving and you know what i mean growing it's a journey you know what I mean? And and you're nowhere near the end of that journey, right? So you're always acquiring new knowledge, new information to, you know, to, to guide you where to go next. So even the things that you might look back on and be like, ah, that wasn't the best, but it was still a building block into where you are now. You know what I mean? So without those things, you wouldn't be who you are in this time and space. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I totally agree with you on that. Um, and, and I'm learning that, you know, the destination is it, it, the journey, man. The journey is what's satisfying. I, we, we, we disregard the journey a lot. We always like, you know, 
I can't wait to that next thing. And it's always going to be a next thing. So just, I agree with you wholeheartedly, just even enjoying the transformation of ourselves and the, and, the, and the growth of who we are destined to become. I think that's the real fun and that's the real party of life. And mm. these things that we're looking for at the end of the rainbow is just, you know, mirages, you know, like you, you never really get there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I'm glad you are enjoying this process that you know what i mean the, this this lead up to the film like going out into the world because you know I, I think there's a lot of times these big things happen to us and because you're in your head and you, you know you don't appreciate what's going on around you so i i think that's a, a really great that you can do that you know Thank you. Thank you. It's just it hasn't been easy <laughs> to, to get to this point, but I'm definitely glad that I'm, I'm, I'm here as long mm. as along with everyone else has been a part of this film. Yeah. What was the festival circuit like for you? You know, I mean, hearing those re first reactions to the film. I'll say this every time that I, sorry, every time that I've been able to show this film, it's always been one or two people who will come up to me and they can't verbalize what it is they're feeling. And it's, it's like, okay, not everyone, you know, everyone may not get where I'm trying to go. And that's okay. Like, you know, I, I understand that. But I've been grateful to see just these little fragments of, you know, of people like yourself you know, who get the film or get that there's something about the film, even if they can't fully identify with a holy, I'm just getting these people who are coming up to me and they're always like, yo, I can't express this film, but it, but it, it has me shaking. And that to me is the success and what I wanted to come across with this film. Because again, um, I was never going for a physical thing. I, I I was going. I was just using the physical to tap into the spiritual. So when people approach me and say I I don't have words for this film, to me, it's tapped into that inner that inner self that I was trying to kind of reach. So um, the, the the film festival circuit was a lot of just you know ensuring um, me that you know Carlos you, you know something was achieved that she was trying to achieve. Maybe may not be perfect always going to be improved and you know um enhanced but mm. you're definitely tapping into something that is wholly you and your artists so to speak mm, mm. yeah no that that definitely you know i feel that makes a lot of sense and it's um what you know something that kind of I was thinking about when watching this because there, you know, I mean, we're seeing all of these situations. We're seeing this, you know, nuance in the characters and the story and where it's going, the experiences that Koi has and the choices that he has to make. And I, I think there's not a load of things that necessarily give that that moral foundation you know what i mean there's a lot of shows that are good shows fun shows you know what i mean but it's you know 
I mean, you're not necessarily getting, you know, some moral guidance from Dexter. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it, 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 it's not quite that thing. But as a kid, right, I remember stuff like Transformers and He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And at the end of the, the cartoon, there would just be this thing and be like, so kids like you know what I mean? and they give you this moral you know which you're like oh but it, it was very heavy-handed it was clunky but as a little kid you don't see that absolutely you just see these characters talking about this thing and being like friends can have disagreements but you still friends remember that kids and you're like oh and so when you have a film like this that that gives you these situations but then is like look but this is what you should be doing right this is the path right don't go backwards keep trying to go forwards even though it might be difficult right, right? it's about evolution i think that is an important thing you know and and we don't always get it so when these things you know come up when these things are created and put together and I think I think there's a power in that, you know what I mean? Right. So, yo, man, hats off to you and your Sorry. peoples for for putting this together, man. Because it, yeah, honestly, I've really enjoyed it. And another thing was, I was just like, yo, there's some great black directors coming through. You know what oh. I mean? There, there really is because there was elements at the beginning that I, I'm watching this thing and just the camera work and you know what I mean? The way you were getting into the characters, right? It, it reminded me of that early Spike Lee stuff. And you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm thinking about that. And then that made me think of people like Boots Riley, you know, Felicia Pride, Gina Prince Byroy, Bywood, and just, you know what I mean? Marcia Green, Marissa Green, even, you know what I mean? And just like these crazy talented crop of people coming through. And I know I've missed people out, but you know what I mean? It, it's really, man, it just makes me happy. Right, because we're not just getting the same old, same old stories. Right. We're getting new stories, new nuances. And I think that is so valuable. So, man, yeah, just hats off, man. Hats Thank off. Thank you, sir. I, 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 and I wholly agree. Um, like you said in the beginning, all we, all we need is just a chance. That's, that's a, what a lot of people are asking for, just a chance. And mm. the fact that I was given this chance, I don't want to you know, mess it up. So I just thank you for just even your encouragement and saying that um, to even put me amongst the company and those other directors that 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 is encouraging. Hey man, I'm I'm just saying what I saw, man. And <laughs> yeah, this this was a was a great yeah. I really enjoyed the film. Oh, I was going to let you go, but before I let you go, this let me fun. just ask you a about the distribution situation because how did that come about because you know in these conversations I'm, i have with people that is definitely one of those hurdles that people come up against so how did all of that kind of go down for you um so to be honest with you we submitted to quite a few film festivals and it didn't necessarily work out um 
but I always, I'm, I'm telling you, Kevin, like I always held on to the fact that all we need, we don't need a lot of eyes to see. We just need the right eyes to see. So when we got to the American Black Film Festival, um, I, you know, I was just telling the, the crew and, and just everyone who was a part of the film that all we need is the right eyes. So the film screened and the right eyes were there who, who saw it and who got it. And um, Buffalo 8 um, distribution shot, Buffalo 8 shot to Ella. Um, they approached us and the rest is the rest is history up to this point. But it was it, it wasn't. Again, I, it's, I have to keep on giving credit to just the belief in the vision and just the belief in something greater than me, because um, not to kind of speak like a prophet or something like that, but everything that I, every belief that I held on to, um, despite the odds thus far, it, it has happened. So I would say as, you know, advice to anyone who's seeking distribution, even just seeking to, to make a film, it's just don't waver, you know, hold your ground in what you believe in, man. Um, if you believe that you have something to tell, tell it and just trust that everything will come together um, to create the path that you believe you should be walking on. And that's what happened, man. I can't, I know it sounds mythical and just like, you know, magical, but in a lot of ways it is because it happened just like that. Mm, mm. But I will say, <laughs> Carlos, man, you know, as I said earlier, right, it, it's so easy for opportunity to go by. So you have to be ready to seize it when it's there. And right. so you were ready and you seized it. You know what I mean? And, and now we, we're going to drop a gem <laughs> on the world, man. You know what I mean? Ooh. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Dro dropping them diamonds and, and the pearls. <laughs> I'm for sure, huh? For sure, for sure. Now, when this drops, right? When people go watch it and enjoy it, they'll be going, "Yo, when's the next Carlos B. Miller joint coming out?" So, is is there plans for the next feature? So I've written, yes, yes, I, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. Man. Like, um, um, I definitely, um, uh, there's this uh, story called Black Caesar that Carson always uh, really likes. Um, um, yes, you know, when I, when yes. I told him about the idea, but, so I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. <laughs> it has to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, real quick, I uh, I was down here in South Florida. There's a few islands around Key West, Key Biscayne, and there's one called Caesar's Rock. Um, and I was um, visiting the area with my wife, and I kind of want to know the backstory of Caesar's Rock. And the story goes, it's kind of like a fable, mythological, I won't say mythology, but just uh, uh, just a story that kind of has been passed down. Um, and it's based off this pirate who's named Black Caesar. And the story goes that he, this, black, this character, Black Caesar, was an African chief in Africa who was... Um, enslaving um, people who looked like him until mm. one day he was tricked into slavery himself and was sent across the transatlantic. And just so happens that a hurricane came across the slave ship, destroyed the ship. He survived and became a pirate until he was hung in Virginia um, many years later. So that's the story that I want to tell, man. 
Yeah. Yeah. I want to tell a, a black pirate story that starts with us enslaving ourselves, which you don't really see, but ends with, mm. you know, it ends with um, helping to free people who look like him on other slave ships, as well as just be an adventure of just um, conquering, uh, overcoming loss, and becoming a king. So, of the seas. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I, I, you know what? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with homie in the back, man. This needs to happen, right? Because, you know, firstly, I think that's one thing that people don't want to talk about, right? right? The fact that, you know, there were tribes and peoples that helped, you know, the Dutch and the English and, you know, all mm -hmm. the others enslaved people right. which you can understand right what you know when you look at things and you think well if they might come for us so if we help them then we kind of give ourselves a bye right which no you're just you know what I mean giving yourself more time because eventually they're coming for you Absolutely. you know what I mean so you you definitely you know it happened you can understand it's never right but you can understand how these things can take place but it, yeah it's never talked about and also the other thing that's not talked about black pirates mm -hmm. right black black cowboys never not really talked about and yo oh man i forget my man's name but he how do they fall? Yeah. Okay, uh, he's making a new one right now. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, when I see some of these films, I'm just like, yo, I want to be in your film, man. <laughs> like, ah, oh, I, I, was, I was watching, like, there were certain things on, like, Instagram. Like, Cleveland Watkiss kept on putting up these images. And I'm just like, what music videos he's shooting? Everyone's just like cowboys. And then suddenly you, <laughs> then it all comes to it. And you see, and you're like, yo. That film is sick, right? Yeah. And it's not just a great film. Like the way the soundtrack worked with the imagery on that film, right? Absolutely. It opened up the London Film Festival. Mm. And um, so I, I went to the press screening of it and we watched it in the, the Royal Festival Hall. So it's this music venue and they'd never showed films in there like that before. And so the sound is so great in that space. And this film stuff, and it's just, oh man, I was so gripped. I was such in awe. It, it just blew me away. That was, but yeah, there's, there wasn't many films about black cowboys. And only recently, you know, in the last few years that, you know, through like looking at things and reading and stuff you learn about, there was all these black pirates. So it's just like, yo, Black Caesar has to happen, son. Right, right. I agree. And, and the fact that he was with Blackbeard, who's one of the most famous famous pirates there is. So, oh shit. Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of play in there. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Well, let 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 me know when you when you're doing the casting. I'll, I'll take a trip out to Florida, right, man. Okay. <laughs> 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 For real, man. <laughs> come, come, come across the pond. 
I'll bring some tea and crumpets for you. Oh man, cuz this has been great. I really appreciate your time, man. I really do. Um, how can people keep track of what you're doing, man? Let pe let people know where they can find you. Um, so as far as the film, you could go to betweensins.com if you want to see a trailer of the film. Um, as far as social media handles for the film, it's either Between Sins Film or Between Sins Movie. Um, as far as the handles for Instagram, TikTok, et cetera, et cetera. As far as me, I'm not going to lie, I'm still working on getting myself out there, Kevin, you know, introvert, <laughs> you know, so I'm working on it. Um, uh, but, but you can check out my Instagram, which is um, creative, creative underscore preserved. Um, as far as the Instagram, but as far as anything outside of that, I'm a ghost, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to appear <laughs> mm. <laughs> slowly to the world. Yo, definitely, Carlos, man, definitely, you know, put yourself out there because I think there's, there's some valuable lessons people can learn from, you know, your experiences and everything that you've been doing, yes. you know, and especially the fact that, you know, you've got live fresh, Right. And, and just your, your, your professor. So it's just all of these things that I think, you know, you can gain from. And that's whether you're trying to get into film, you know, whatever you're doing. I think there's, there's lessons that will be valuable throughout life. So, man, put yourself out there. Tell your story, man. Do yes, your sir. thing. Yes, sir. He, he's uh, he's pushing me out there. Uh, even though I'm kind of like fighting, like, oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I, I hear you loud and clear, and I agree. And, and I just thank you for the encouragement to, to express myself. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, man, I, I just feel like when this drops, people are going to pay notice. So, hey, enjoy it. Enjoy the experience. Enjoy the 31st and everything that comes from that, man. And Hey, I look forward to seeing, you know, your your next production. Thank you, Kevin. This is um historic. This goes in the archives. This is one of my first interviews, so especially the ah. first one with critics. So this is uh historic for me, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity, <laughs> man. And I appreciate you for kind of just again taking the time to see the film. You could have watched a lot of films, but you watched Between Sands. So I, I salute you, and I thank you for the opportunity. Hey, man, it's all down to AJ, man. In AJ, I trust. So <laughs> you've got yourself one of the best publicists out there doing the game, man. So, uh, hey, you know what I mean? You're, you're well, definitely in good hands with her. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, man. Well, thank you for your time. Really appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, good luck, man. Not that you will need it, man. Just keep doing your thing. All right, man. Peace from the USA to the UK, man. All right, <laughs> <you> man. <laughs> Yo, peace, man. All right, so there you go, people. We are done for another week. But how great was that, right? Man, Carlos is a gen, right? I love the honesty. And, and I think mean, just you can see the conviction there. Right. And then when you look at all the other stuff, like live fresh and all of those things. Right. There's a dude actually, you know, what I mean? where his actions are mirroring what he's saying. So mad props to Carlos. People go check out the film. Right. It's, it's a, a good one. <laughs>
right? And hey, it's got AJ stamp of approval, so you know it's gonna be bona fide, all right? So that's part two. Hey, if you haven't seen it already, there's part one, right? We look at four new joints perfect addiction, summoning Sylvia, 3,000 years of longing, and triangle of sadness, right? Definitely the last two, I think, woo, great ones, I am, um, yeah, from the end of last year. But people, that is us, we are done, we will be back, obviously, next week, and um, yeah, we've got a few good joints coming next week, I believe. But, um, yeah, until then, enjoy your film watching, people. Peace.